The streak is officially over. The Baltimore Ravens lose to the Washington Commanders by the final score of 29 to 28. And we talk about everything that happened in the game, what to take away, who impressed, who didn't, and so much more coming up next year on this live instant reaction postcast edition of Locked On Ravens. You are Locked On Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in here to another edition of Locked On Ravens. We're your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Ostreicher of Ravens Wire here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for tuning in, making us your first listen literally each and every day as we're here live on Tuesday morning, August 22nd, right after the Ravens lose to the Washington Commanders, 29 to 28. We're free and available anywhere you get your podcasts, including in video form on YouTube. We're archering live. So if you want that instant analysis, that instant Ravens update after every single game, preseason, regular season, playoff, Super Bowl, we have it right here for you. Today's episode of Locked On Ravens is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use the code Locked On NFL for $20 off your first purchase. Last minute tickets, lower price guaranteed. And it's the end of an era. The Ravens, they lose a preseason game the first time since September of 2015 that's happened. The commanders go out there. They beat the Ravens 29 and 28 in a game that really seemed like the commanders wanted it. They, they really, it, I don't know. It felt like the commanders wanted to win this game. And again, you want to go out there, you want to win every game, but it was weird because the commanders played their offensive starters literally for the entire first half. Their, their starting offensive line didn't play but Terry McLaurin was out there. Sam Howell was out there. Brian Robinson was out there. And at the end of the day, the commanders, they won the game, but they might come out losers if Terry McLaurin has to miss any time with that toe injury. We don't know what the severity of it is. I believe the x-rays were negative when the last report came out, maybe at the time of this recording. But if you're listening to this, maybe in the future, we have some sort of update, but that's a scary thing for Commanders fans, but they get the job done. They, they win the game. The Ravens lose it. And again, the Ravens got the same thing out of this game that they would have gotten if they won. Win or lose, the Ravens figured out a couple of things about their roster, I think. So we'll talk about all that today in the first part of the show. We'll do more of a general recap in the first part. Then we'll get into the who impressed, who didn't section of the show in the second part. And then finally, we'll take a look at the biggest takeaways and look ahead to the next couple of days for the Ravens. Obviously, we'll have a show coming out at 6 a.m. Eastern time tomorrow, an entirely different show. I'm going to record this right after this show. So if you're listening to this right now, I appreciate you being a part of the late night, early morning gang here as, as we dive into it. We have some, some comments in the chat here. Lamont Bailey checking in saying that was a wicked game. It sucks that we lost. Yeah, I know. it was, for, for a preseason game, Lamont, to your point, it was Super Bowl. It felt like a Super Bowl up at FedEx Field. It felt like the, everybody was into it. You know, the, the nerves were going. So, yeah, I don't, I don't know. We're going to we're going to see a preseason game like that for a long time, especially with what was on the line, which was nothing for the Ravens. So let's first get in to a, a brief overcap or brief overcap, brief recap of the game is Josh Johnson, and Anthony Brown each played a half. Josh Johnson went 10 to 12 for 145 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. Anthony Brown went six to 10, 40 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. I didn't think both guys played particularly poorly. I think Anthony Brown and Josh Johnson, they, they both were fine. I think Johnson, again, was a little better than Brown was looking back at things, just an initial reaction from the game. 
I think if the, if the season were to start today and the 53-man roster had to be put together today, then Josh Johnson gets that third quarterback job. And I'm pretty adamant on the Ravens keeping three quarterbacks. At least that's what I think is going to happen because of the fact that Baltimore was a key team in getting that third quarterback rule approved. So I think they're going to use it. In the run game, the Ravens actually had a pretty good day running the football, 5.5 yards per carry. Now, Owen Wright did not have a great game. He was the Ravens' leading ball carrier in terms of carries, nine carries for 10 yards. Part of that was because Keaton Mitchell ended up leaving the game after one carry for 31 yards, got hurt on a kickoff, and ended up having to leave. And Clubfoot saying any update on Mitchell on the mountain is going to ask about him too. Clubfoot saying it looks like he possibly dislocated his shoulder John Harbaugh said no major injuries. At least that's the last thing that I've checked. I'll, I'll peruse through Twitter really quickly here just to see if I missed out on anything. But it seems like he will be okay. I don't I don't want to say anything too early on because, again, I haven't updated. I'm, I'm getting the live stream together. But I think what John Harbaugh said was no major injuries. So maybe he'll, he'll miss some time in practice. But I don't think it will impact him from maybe a roster-making perspective, which is – at the exact, you know, I think that's what you want in terms of a battle between Melvin Gordon and Keaton Mitchell. I think Keaton Mitchell's kind of wrapped things up there, but obviously if he's out for an extended period of time, that might change some things. In the receiving game, we saw a lot of big plays. We saw Charlie Kohler lead the team with two receptions for 61 yards, 30 and a half yards per catch for Charlie Kohler with that 33-yard long catch. Zay Flowers did Zay Flowers things on both his catches, two for 37 in a touchdown. First play, he gets the ball. He jukes Emmanuel Forbes out of his shoes, so he gets another win over Emmanuel Forbes. And then second play is the commanders leave him wide open. It's not a good idea to leave Zay Flowers wide open if you didn't know that. But he ends up taking the ball, jukes a couple guys out, goes one direction, then goes the other, and ends up taking it in for a touchdown. So very impressive by Zay Flowers there. Then you have Travis Vokalek, kind of an unsung star of training camp, who I think's really put on a show but hasn't really gotten a lot of attention. He puts up two touchdowns, made a couple of plays in the first preseason game against the Eagles. He's somebody that I think the Ravens are going to have a tough decision to make tight end wise because of the fact that ideally, at least what my, project, my projections have been, is that the Ravens will keep three tight ends Mark Andrews, as they likely, Charlie Kohler. But I don't really. I don't really know anymore because with Vokalek, the thing with cutting guys, especially guys who are preseason stars, is we all know the we all know the waiver system. We all know what happens. We've seen it for the Ravens over the past couple of seasons. You know, Nate McCrary is someone who I think the Ravens wanted back on their practice squad a couple of years ago. Denver goes and scoops him up. Now he made it, he made it back to the Ravens. But it's the same argument I kind of have with Keaton Mitchell versus Melvin Gordon. It's to a lot lesser of, a, of an extent with Travis Vokalek in terms of cutting a guy. I think if you're the Ravens, you can easily keep four running backs. And Keaton Mitchell will be your fourth guy. And Melvin Gordon has a better shot to make it on the practice squad anyway. So essentially, you're keeping all your guys. Vocalex is a bit of a different story, though, because of the fact that you're not cutting Charlie Kohler for him. You're not cutting Isaiah Likely for him. And you're sure as heck not cutting, <laughs> sure as heck not cutting a guy like Mark Andrews for him. So I think the Ravens are going to have to make a tough decision here, whether it's keeping four tight ends and then losing out on another position. The issue is the Ravens don't really have a lot of room to operate with allocating roster spots to positions that don't really need another guy there because of the corner position they're in. And we'll get into that as the show goes on here. I also think going back to the running game quickly, Justice Hill, I thought played really well, two for 25. He is firmly entrenched as that number three guy. D 
Defensively, it was tough. The Commanders, again, as I mentioned, played their starters for the entirety of the first half, which was crazy nonetheless, but it happened. Jeremy Lucian and Nardarius Washington tied for tackles, seven apiece. Lucian has impressed me with his versatility. Came in the league as a corner, I think is getting reps at safety now, so he's a guy to watch. I don't, I don't necessarily think is a roster lock or anything, but is a dark horse candidate for the 53, and I think is a definite practice squad guy if he doesn't make the roster. Darius Washington, though, was probably one of the best, if not the best Ravens on the field. I mean, again, talking about guys who are fighting for roster spots. Zay Flowers is not fighting for a roster spot, <laughs> by the way, there. But Washington was all over the place, making plays, pass breakups, tackles, interrupting passing lanes. He was everywhere. Now, I will say, tackles don't mean everything because coming in second here, tied for second in tackles was Corey Mayfield Jr. with six. Corey Mayfield Jr. essentially cost the Ravens the game with his with his PI penalty. He got burned and had to commit a PI penalty to essentially extend the game for Washington. So six tackles does not, does not always equal success there. But I think Lucian and Washington played well. Mayfield Jr. on the on the other hand did not. Other players who impressed, and we'll get into this more in the second part of the show. This is more of a early breakdown. But I thought. In the corner room, Tay Hayes played well. I thought Travis Jones was exceptional. We'll get into those guys a little bit more. But in terms of team stats, some of the interesting things that I took away overall from it is that Washington had nine more first downs than the Ravens. And also, this is the second straight week that the Ravens have been pretty obliterated in the time of possession battle. 35 minutes and 50 seconds for Washington, 24 minutes and 10 seconds for the Ravens. Now, that's not necessarily a bad thing, and I'll, I'll explain why. The fact of the matter is the Ravens are going to be a team that throws the ball a lot more this year. We knew the MO under Greg Roman. We knew it was drain the clock, run the ball, drain the play clock, and that's how it worked. In the passing game, and especially in a tempo offense, like I think we're going to see the Ravens run a lot more this year. They're going to be clock stoppages. They're going to try to fit more plays into less amounts of time. It doesn't necessarily mean that the Ravens offense is going to be I don't know how to put it, worse? They're not going to be worse. Part of it is they're actually more efficient because they scored 28 points in 24 minutes. That's over a point a minute, which I will definitely take. The Commanders, for example, scored less than a point a minute. But again, it's, it's what you do with those opportunities. The Ravens, they averaged 6.8 yards per, per play compared to Washington's 5.3. The Commanders had more total yards, but of course the Ravens ran, they actually ran almost half of the plays. The Commanders did 81 compared to 49. The Ravens' third down efficiency was, eh, they, they allowed the Commanders to go 50%. The Ravens went just under 50% at four of nine. But then it ended up being the, the Commanders got three first downs from penalties compared to the Ravens, too. So th there's plenty to kind of dive into uh, over the course of what big, big takeaways are. And we'll get into that more in the second part of the show here on this live edition of Locked on Ravens late, late night edition. So be sure to stay tuned. A lot to dive into on this postcast edition of the show. But first, this episode is brought to you by Game Time. And there have been plenty of times where people get super stressed out, stressed out buying tickets, right? You know, that there are only a couple of tickets left in a certain section, and then they get really, really expensive. So if you're looking to get a last-minute deal, you're hunting down the best price, you might even be competing with buyers, it shouldn't be stressful to buy those tickets, right? Game Time, though, is a fast and easy way to, to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you with Killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee. You can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun that you're going to have. And there are a lot of different events. Obviously, the Ravens open up the season with the Texans in week one. So if you want to try to secure tickets to that, go over there and, and go to game time to see if they have any deals on those. And there are a lot of things to like about the game time experience and the app that they have, such as they have flash deals and last-minute ticket deals. 
it's super easy to find and buy tickets for every kind of event in the area as well. They also have images of the seat view, so you get to see exactly where you're sitting and what the event looks like. They have a lowest price guarantee, event cancellation protection, job loss protection, and et cetera. And so game, pr game time is the place for last-minute ticket deals. You can forget planning in months in advance. That can be a hassle. Game time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. You can get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts. They have comedy, theater, and more as well. And the game time guarantee means you always get the best price if you find tickets in the same section and row for less. Game time will credit you 110% of that difference and it's the fastest growing ticket app in the country for a reason you can get images of your seat as we talked about before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive you can buy tickets in a matter of seconds two taps and your set tickets are sent directly to your phone so you never have to dig through your email so snag the tickets without the stress with game time download the game time app create an account and use the code locked on nfl for 20 percent or for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply again. Create an account and redeem code locked on NFL for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. We're back here, our second segment of Locked On Ravens, talking as we mourn. We mourn on this Tuesday morning the Ravens preseason street. 24 games. They could not extend it to 25. It, it's meaningless. <laughs> it does not matter again. Ravens got whatever they wanted to see, whether they won or lost. That doesn't matter. In the comments here, we have people tuning in. Again, it's late, late on Monday night, early Tuesday. I appreciate everybody who's here with me. And if you didn't catch this live, you can obviously watch it back in video form on YouTube. You can also catch it after the fact in audio form or going live after every single game. We're going to do that continuing forward here. So obviously on Saturday, we'll go live after the Buccaneers preseason game. And then every regular season game, hopefully playoff game, and hopefully the Super Bowl, right? We'll get a live game after that as well. Let, let's Catch up on the chat real quick here. Clubfoot saying our offense looked good, but our secondary, not so much. And a point about the secondary, I want to make sure that, you know, this is clear. And I know people who are Ravens fans or who watch the game, they know this. And you guys know this who are watching right now. The Ravens are in a pinch corner-wise. With Marlon Humphrey going down, they were already down Humphrey, already down Rocky Yassin, already down Arthur Millette, already down Jalen Armour Davis, already down Pepe Williams. Then Caillou Kelly and Ardarius Washington both go down with injuries. Now, again, it seems like they're – are they're not serious injuries, but it just goes to show that the Ravens have like probably 15 or 17 secondary members who they're going to have to figure out, you know, who makes the roster, who's a practice squad guy. Obviously, you know, you don't, you don't question the roster spot of a Marcus Williams or a Kyle Hamilton or a Humphrey or Yassine or any of these, any of those guys, but there are probably going to be points during the season where we're going to have to see a Daryl Worley. We're going to have to see a Brandon Stevens, you know, maybe our Darius Washington, who I think at this point, but Darius Washington to me, is the Ravens starting slot corner. I think he's impressed the most. I think he's done enough and we'll see if he can continue his play in the last preseason game. But I think if the season started today, our Darius Washington would be the Ravens starting slot corner, which I really think as well. And I think that for Dylan here saying Mayfield through and the Ravens sent the house and got no pressure, which is a bit concerning. Who's Mayfield Baker. Baker Mayfield, uh, whoever Mayfield is, some Dylan's saying someone through, but the point he made about the, the sending the house and getting no pressure, that's it's big. I think what we saw in that final drive, and this might be a hot take, but the Ravens were not trying to win. The Ravens were, you could you would honestly argue they were trying to lose <laughs> if, if he really wanted to because of what they were trying to do. I think they were experimenting. I think experimenting is the right way to put it. On that final drive, that two-minute drill by Jake Fromm and the Commanders, 
they were blitzing every single it was it was Don Martindale-esque. Don Martindale, he he got a one-day contract to be the or one one series contract to be the defensive coordinator for the Ravens, took the headset and the play sheet from Mike McDonald and ran cover zero every single play. And the issue that Dylan pointed out here is the Ravens essentially got no pressure when blitzing seven, blitzing eight. I don't I don't know if they blitzed nine or not, but they blitzed at least seven on every single play, I think, of that drive. Now, part of the reason why they didn't generate pressure, well, it, it's it's a two-way street. Part of it is I just think that guys were falling over each other, overfilling gaps and leaving others open. But the other part is what is when a defense does that, offenses are going to adjust in the short timing passing game, short deep shots are gonna are gonna arise. And when you don't generate pressure in those situations, which the Ravens did not, you know, they were sending free blitzers. The free blitzers weren't getting there in time. The guys were falling down. It was not a great last drive for them, even though it was not like if the Ravens were in a real regular season game going up against the commanders in that exact same situation, Mac McDonald was not called the defense that way. I just think the Ravens wanted to see what it looked like and what they could do, but it was it was a little weird. Uh, I'm not going to lie as well. Clubfoot saying that's concerning, but he says, Zay freaking flowers. Yeah, we, we can talk more about Zay. Zay is somebody that I think, honestly, and this is my bull prediction. I'm kind of dropping it in a couple of these live editions, maybe later in other editions of the show before my bull prediction episode. So if you're here, you're going to hear it right now. My bull prediction one of them at least is that Zay Flowers is going to be the number one receiver on this team by the time the season ends. And that's no disrespect to Odell, it's no disrespect to Rashad Bateman, but I just think with how good he is already, and this is it's a bold prediction, right? You want to go, you don't want to say, yeah, Lamar Jackson's gonna gonna throw for a thousand plus yards this year. Yeah, of course that's gonna happen. You want to go bold, you want you want to go all in with those. So to me, I think Zay is going to be the number one receiver on this team. He's that good. He's that electric. He's that hard to defend. And with Odell and Rashad Bateman also commanding attention, you got to decide who to stop. And if you decide to kind of lay off his A a little bit, he's going to make you pay, as I think we've seen over the course of these last couple of weeks. Obviously, the joint practices and training camp as well. Lamont saying Justice Hill had a few decent runs and Clubfoot saying, oh, yeah, Hill was running that thing. Absolutely, he was. Justice Hill is someone who has had a very interesting career arc with the Ravens. Started off slow, and I think – Part of the underrated reason of why Justice Hill, the story is so good is because he ended up being one of those running backs. We talk all the time about JK. We talk all the time about Gus Edwards and injuries that those guys went through. But Justice Hill also got injured, and that's why the Ravens had to bring in an entirely new running back room in 2021. He comes back in 2022. His roster spot's in jeopardy. I didn't have him on my 53 for a while, but he showed in the preseason he deserved a roster spot and showed electricity, burst, speed, power, and then is carry that over to this season where he's fully entrenched as the as the third running back on this roster here. Lamont saying Zay is going to be a problem for strong. I'm catching up on the chats right now. It's really I, I really want to I want to get to everybody's chat, so we're going to get into that. Clubfoot saying watch EDC trade Vokalek for a corner. Hey, I tweeted it out. Keaton Mitchell and Travis Vokalek for uh, Jair Alexander. Who says no, huh? <laughs> but the way they're performing, may, maybe it could happen. David Malone saying, do you trade away Vokalek or Kohler? At this point, if the Ravens were to trade somebody, I'd, I'd probably do Vokalek. I think they, I think they're very high on Kohler. Not that they're not on Vokalek, but if you had to trade away one or the other, I think Vokalek is the guy that is more realis realistic for the Ravens to trade. I think they like Kohler a lot, and Vokalek coming on so strong has been a pleasant surprise. Where it's a luxury, and then you can, if you need to trade him away because he's going to get poached by a guy on a by a team on a practice squad, you can maybe get a late round pick form. And then, Hey, you know what? You get a return on a guy that you signed an undrafted for agency. 
we've seen the Ravens do that a lot. And, and I think that's something that they could definitely do here. Uh, Lamont saying I'd go with Volk. Yeah, I'd do the same thing. Rush saying defense got to finish these sacks. Quarterbacks were escaping by the skin of their teeth. Yep, it's been a problem every year. Every single year, the Ravens have had the, these finishing sack issues where they'll get the pressure and they just don't wrap up. And we saw that multiple times over the course of this game, over the course of the Eagles game last week, over the course of the last couple of seasons. It's something they need to get ironed out. And look, I understand the Ravens don't have their first team guys out there, but the issue is it's been happening with the first team guys out there. So the issue is, you know, it, it's more of a, it, it's a bigger one when you talk about everything else that has gone on over the past couple of seasons. It's not just, oh, this is a this is a preseason issue. It'll be solved by the way that it ends up happening. But let's, let's do a quick stock up, stock down report. Then we'll, uh, we'll look back in the chat after the fact. I think that, you know, again, both Josh Johnson and Anthony Brown played pretty well overall. I think Johnson played a little better than Anthony Brown, but Brown had a much better performance than he did in week one against the Eagles. Justice Hill, Keaton Mitchell, both guys who impressed me. Zay Flowers, Tyler Wallace. I'm kind of graduating Zay Flowers from stock up, stock down list, though. I well, Stock up list, at least. We, we know he's a baller. Charlie Kohler, Travis Volk, like I thought, played well. Travis Jones was balling. You know, we Peter King th- th- talked about, oh, well, Zay Flowers, you got to hold him. You got to interfere with him in order to stop him. Travis Jones was doing that on, against the Commanders on Monday. Is uh, there was a penalty against the Commanders, and he he's a big guy. He's hard to stop. Malik Ham had a forced fumble. We mentioned our Darius Washington. Tay Hayes had back-to-back plays which were really nice, a, a really good tackle. Could have been a conversion, then an interception on the very next play. Now, stock down, guys. James Prochet, I think, to me, takes the cake here. Unfortunately, I feel bad for him almost. I, I really do. A lot of bad luck has bounced his way. The latest one here, Josh Johnson throws in the ball. And let's admit, I will admit, it was a, a underthrown ball, right? But James Prochet goes up, and the ball essentially goes through his hands into the arms of a Washington defender, and he returns at, what, 50, 60 yards to the Baltimore Territory. So Prochet definitely, I think, is not going to be a member of this team come cut-down day. And I think Tyler Wallace is pretty pretty much secure the six-wide receiver spot. I think that another guy, Trenton Simpson, he made a couple of plays here and there, but overall struggled. I think he missed like three or four tackles on one drive, allowed a touchdown, had a face mask, you know, couldn't wrap up. So a learning experience for Trenton Simpson in his debut. Corey Mayfield Jr., also, again, we talked about him a little bit. He did not impress overall. So he's one of the young corners who I'm not super high on and I don't think is going to be able to uh, maybe even carve out a spot on the practice squad. I don't, I don't know what his what, what his future is going to be in Baltimore. But coming up in the final part of the show, we're going to be diving into the biggest takeaways overall from this game. We'll keep engaging in the chat. I appreciate everybody who's here and so much more. So don't go anywhere. Still a lot to talk about on Locked on Ravens. But first... This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors, and I'm a big fantasy guy. If you don't know, I sent out invites for the Locked on Ravens Fantasy League. If you want to do a Locked on Ravens Fantasy League, you can message me on Twitter. You you can at me on Twitter. I'm going to put out a couple more tweets about it, too. And our partners at eBay Motors have teamed up with Locked on Fantasy Football host Vinny Iyer to bring you some of the best fantasy picks each and every week, all season long. So whether you're prepping for one of those Locked on Ravens Fantasy drafts or scouting the waiver wire, every week we're going to be providing you the players that are guaranteed to fit on your roster. So... Or draft prep underway for the upcoming season. Let's see who Vinny's picked out for us on this week's eBay Guaranteed Fit Fantasy Picks of the Week. And we're going to go with a guy who didn't play last year in Calvin Ridley, who if you're looking for a guy in fantasy football drafts who's going to spark his new team's offense and help you speed to victory, use a luxury pick on Jaguars wide receiver Calvin Ridley. He's looked sleek during his first camp in Jacksonville, ready to rev up after 
his time in Atlanta taking full advantage of rising and riding with Trevor Lawrence as his quarterback. And Vinny, of course, from Locked Up Fantasy Football is going to help you win your fantasy championship. And eBay Motors knows the championship team is about each player being a perfect fit. And that's the same thing with a vehicle. But eBay guarantee fit in over 122 million parts and accessories to your vehicle right at your fingertips. You can make sure your ride stays running smoothly. They have air filters, brakes, batteries, taillights, alternators, shock struts, you name it. eBay Motors has it. And they'll make sure it's the right fit for your car because eBay guarantee fit helps you understand exactly what part you need for your vehicle the first time. So go forth switch gears crank the ac and say goodbye to sweating if your right needs a little fixing up because now you know you'll always be set up for success from the get-go the ebay guarantee that everything your vehicle is calling for is a click away for the parts and accessories to fit your vehicle Let's look for the green check at the right parts the right fit and the right price at ebaymotors.com let's ride ebay guarantee fit only available to us customers also items will only exclusive supply we're back here final segment of this live edition of locked on ravens postcast kevin ostriker Still here with you. I appreciate again everybody who's tuned in. Be sure to subscribe, follow along in audio form. We have these live shows out again every single time the Ravens play. Plus, any big news. We did three live streams last week: the Marlin news, the Ronald Darby news, and obviously the Jadavian Clowney news as well. So be sure to stay tuned here on Locked On Ravens. A lot to still dive into, not only over the course of this show, but we have a show coming out. 6 a.m. Eastern time, so be sure to check out what I have in store there. We're going to be doing more stock up, stock down, and more thoughts overall from the game. Let's look back in chat, though, here. Uh, we have David Malone saying the Ravens also hurt themselves in the last offensive drive with Brown going out of bounds instead of sliding. I think that was – I think that it was right that he went out of bounds on the next play. Yeah, but there were guys who were – not getting out of bounds. And I think part of that was just, you know, preserve the body, spare the hits, which from a preseason health perspective, I understand. But obviously, if you're, if you're trying to win the game, that's not what you want to do. And in a real live game situation, you want to get down and make sure a lot of that clock keeps going. But again, the Ravens learned what they needed to, whether they won or lost this game. And Lamont saying that he had to remind himself this was a preseason game and club foot saying penalties gave Washington a lot of chances to stay in the game. They did. I'm, I'll look up the, uh, the, it felt like there were a lot of penalties both ways. I want to, I want to confirm that quickly. I think the Ravens had, what did they have? They had six for 36 and the commanders had five for 58. So commanders actually had more penalty yards, but I think the Ravens penalties came in more high leverage situations. So, yeah, Sean Warner saying I wasn't happy with the fourth quarter play calling. I wasn't happy with the uh, the last drive play calling. I would I would have wanted Baltimore to put their young guys in a pure, like, hey, we're going to go out there and play it like we would in a two-minute drill. It just felt like the Ravens were toying around and experimenting on that last drive, which was all up blitz, all up blitz, all up blitz, all up blitz. And that, to me, I would have rather seen who the Ravens had left on the field play in those situations i really maybe the ravens were maybe the ravens are trying to give the commanders the win and just please they say please get this streak out of our hair because i know town and wallace said after the game there is a there's some relief and not talking about that streak anymore but hey the commanders are celebrating that win uh, a little too hard which is kind of which was kind of funny as well dre mason we got dre in the chat saying what's up what's going on dre i hope your night's been Going well, uh, you know, wish the Ravens would have won, but, you know, doesn't really matter at the end of the day. It's just preseason here. So, oh, May, okay, Mayfield, Corey Mayfield. Yes, that's what, uh, that's what, that's who, who, who was, who was talking about? Dylan was talking about him, about Corey Mayfield. Yes, 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 definitely. So, uh, Corey Mayfield definitely was the guy who I think is the fall guy for the Ravens in that situation. I do want to give a shout out. Well, I want to talk a bit about Caillou Kelly as well. Definitely struggled as a whole, but I was going to have him on my stock down list for the stock up, stock down. But I give a guy credit where it's due. And that play he had against the commanders to essentially what would have hopefully sealed the game on that two-point conversion. 
was a heck of a play. It reminded me, honestly, of Kyle Hamilton. When Hamilton struggled in that week two loss of the Dolphins, you know, a lot of plays were on him, comes back in week three and has a, a game-saving play, and that kind of led to his takeoff. Caillou Kelly, again, not the same stakes, not the same exact situation, but he struggled over the course of that game and then makes a huge play in clutch time with pressure on him so that to me is is really yeah Robbie saying Corey Mayfield I was like Baker Mayfield Baker wasn't out there for Washington Ravens will see Baker next week against Tampa but yes Corey Mayfield was the guy Dre was saying they were they were playing they were playing content man and Wink came and played coordinator tonight yeah I told you Don, Don Martindale was out there calling plays for Baltimore on that final drive and the concerning thing about it was that Baltimore did not get pressure on those plays which was all too eerily familiar and again I, I will preface again by saying that. In those situations, the offense typically goes faster. The ball gets out quicker because you can't hold the ball in that situation. Pressure will get to you. So you got to get the ball out. And we saw that. But the thing was, again, guys are falling over each other. It just wasn't exactly what they wanted from a pressure perspective, in my opinion. And then when they did get there, they weren't wrapping up. And yeah, David's saying when they didn't, when they did get in the backfield, they couldn't finish. Exactly what happened. Clubfoot saying Zay Flowers for offensive rookie of the year, Lamont celebrating. I tweeted it out. I said, you know what? I've seen enough. Zay is the offensive rookie of the year. It is what it is. And that's exactly what it is. No, I'm in all honesty, Bijan probably wins that award, but I think Zay Flowers has a much, much better shot than a lot of people give him credit for because everybody's so obsessed with Bijan and Jameer Gibbs and, and the quarterbacks, Bryce Young, CA Stroud, maybe even Anthony Richardson getting some, some play there. But I think Zay, by the end of the season, another bull prediction is he will be by far and away the best wide receiver from that draft class whether it's JSN or Quentin Johnston or Jordan Addison, Zay Flowers will be the biggest part of that. Uh, Dylan saying thoughts on Simpson. I know it was his first game, but it wasn't great. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a learning experience. I think he had a couple of plays that, you know, popped. He came on one run off the edge where he was able to stop a guy. But I mean, that one play he had where he gave up the touchdown to Jared Patterson, he essentially got juked out of his shoes twice. I think ended up giving up the touchdown, had a face mask on top of it. The NFL speed is a lot different for some people. And we saw the Ravens experience. I think we saw him playing some corner. We saw him playing some – we saw him everywhere. And my thing with Trenton Simpson, and, and it has been this thing, is that I'm worried the Ravens are going to overutilize him. We, we've seen it in Arizona with Isaiah Simmons and Zayvon Collins. The Ravens – or the Ravens. The Cardinals have overused those guys so much to the point where they've never really found a true NFL home. They're, they've been trying to benefit off their athleticism, and, and I think it has stunted their development. Trenton Simpson, I'm worried about that with the Ravens because we've seen them do that with Brandon Stevens, where you know he's gone from corner to safety to corner to safety to corner to safety to corner. And it's just it, it I think it has hurt him not being in a true role where he can focus on just one thing. So with Simpson, he can play a lot of positions as part of his versatility, and it's a good asset, it's a good trait to have. So, yes, the game was not particularly impressive by Trenton Simpson tonight, but I'm not overreacting based off of one preseason game. Overall, Sean saying would have loved to see us salt the game away with some smash mouth power run game, not feeling the outside zone scheme. I, I just don't think Baltimore had the horses, honestly. I mean, you're not playing JK. You're not playing Gus. Justice Hill is out of the game at that point. Keaton Mitchell goes down. So you're essentially relying on Owen Wright, who I do not think is a, is a player for this roster. I mean, Melvin Gordon, you could have put back in the game, but Baltimore's not going to put him in in garbage, garbage time, which I know it wasn't garbage time, like, but late, late in that game, you're not putting Melvin Gordon back because he is competing. So I just don't think Owen Wright was overly impressive to me. Nine, well, was it nine carries for 10 yards, nine carries for 11? So to me, I think it was just they didn't have a guy who could go and force misses and create plays. I mean, 
he is, he had a long of six, but was losing yards, was getting stuffed on third down. So it was more the running situation there as well. Lamont saying he can't wait for the season to start. Hey, man, I'm with you. I'm ready for football to uh, get, get get going. I'm ready for it to come up. Yeah, Sean saying Simpson needs time. Looked rough out there. And Clubfoot saying he agrees he has faith in him and Ajabo will get some steam going, still holding faith in OA. Ajabo also had some plays. Ajabo looks a little lost in the run game. I think bringing in Clowney will help that, but it takes the pressure off of him having Clowney in there to not necessarily have all that responsibility in year one. He can take some time and learn and just kind of pin his ears back and, and work at the quarterback as well. Dre saying, I don't know any Mayfield that's actually good. <laughs> Baker may Jay, I don't even think Jalen Mayfield is over in Atlanta, who was a second round pick out of Michigan, is doing too hot over there. So, yeah, Corey Mayfield was uh definitely one of the not so great guys tonight. David saying, Prochet needs to change the scenery at this point. I'm catching up on the chat, so maybe these were about 10 minutes ago, but I'm I'm rolling through them. Dre saying, Who was the one corner we had recently the other team targeted because he knew he was a bum? That was Mayfield. Was it Robert Jackson? Is that who you're talking about? Was it Robert Jackson? Could have been him. Uh, a couple other guys, probably. I know Shockey Brown was very back in the day, not a guy a lot of fans were talking about. Daniel saying, Hey, Kevin, what'd you think of the defense overall? I think there are a couple things you can talk about because I think with the commanders having their starters in for as long as they did with Howell and Robinson and McLaurin and all those guys, the Ravens they didn't play Roquan, they didn't play Patrick Queen or Matabike or you know, Marcus Williams, Kyle Hamilton, they didn't play their starters. It was essentially Baltimore's back end second string high end third string and then essentially it became all third string against most of Washington's starters to start the half and I know you know the starters came out but I I saw some positive like you want to take away at least one or two positives from guys who you think can contribute during the year on a consistent basis I think we saw that from Rodarius Washington I think we saw that from Travis Jones for the most part there those are two guys who I I come away from the game and I say yes in a situation First stringers on first stringers. You need a couple snaps from Travis Jones. You need a couple snaps from Darius Washington in high leverage worlds. You can have those guys do that. You're not going to be playing Corey Mayfield Jr. for the entire – hopefully not. I don't I don't want to jinx anything is what the Ravens going through, what they're going through at corner. I don't know. But you, I think you want to come away with feeling – just feeling good about a couple of guys. Again, I think the last defensive sequence, the last defensive series, the Ravens weren't trying to win. They just weren't. I think that they were trying to experiment and it lost them the game and they're fine with that. So that's where I am on that situation as well. Dre saying, yeah, defense never got home on the blitzes, got awful, completing big passes to advance the sticks, some penalties in there as well. YouTube user, whoever you are saying, I appreciate you. I appreciate you too, YouTube user, mystery guy, whoever you are. Thank you for your support there. Sean saying, Prochet hasn't been himself this year. For the first time since he's been here, he looks like he's lost confidence in himself. Poor decisions on special teams, not fighting for the ball in the air. I think he knows what's coming, and it's really sad. It's I'm, I'm rooting, I, I'm rooting for him. He's a good guy, but to me, Tyler Wallace has done enough to to lock up that sixth spot. There have been too too many mistakes on Prochet's ends, too, too many inconsistencies. So I think he knows what's coming. As a practice squad guy, hey, you know, sign me up for that. But as a roster guy, I, th- I think we all know that he's. He's not going to be on the roster come week one here. Yeah, Dre saying we played to lose. Actually, I don't totally disagree. I think Baltimore didn't play to win. And I'll say that. I don't think running a cover zero every play is is defense that you're going to employ. Like, if that again, if that was a real game, the Ravens aren't doing that. And Dre saying Caillou Kelly was 50-50. He's a lot better in zone. 
Yeah, I, I give him the push because of the play he made. Definitely did struggle overall. But, again, he's a rookie. He's learning. I'm not overly panicking right now. But I think he, to be fair from what my projections were, he's a little bit further behind than where I thought he was. I thought he'd be a little more NFL-ready having the four years at Stanford, too, as a starter. But just looks a little further behind than where I projected him to be. But that's not necessarily a huge issue. Lamont saying Caillou stop was tough. Oh, yeah, as well. And then Clubfoot saying Bijan is a dog. Oh, 100%. Yeah, yeah. I, Crazy, but yeah, the Falcons' offensive line is bad. Jalen Mayfield is one of those guys. That's the Mayfield as well. Dre saying, crazy to say, man, that Worley's our best corner at the moment. I'm gonna get. I'm gonna say Ronald Darby's the best corner. I think Darby's gonna come in and play well for him. Isn't gonna be a top corner in the league, but I think I think he's gonna play well for him as well. Dre saying, do you think? Do you think we put in for Greedy Williams? I don't. I honestly don't. I mean, I would be fine with it. I think Greedy's a guy that you can take a swing on. Again, I think Baltimore, the thing, if Marlon didn't go down, the Ravens are probably going to trust their young guys and go into the earth what they had. But to me, I think that Greedy's a guy that is a risk to take because of an injury, and maybe the Ravens want to see what they have. And with the Marlon and Pepe situations, you have to keep them on IR, or you can't put them on IR right now because it would end their season. So if you're talking about who has to make the roster, who he thinks is going to make the roster, Marlon's going to make it, Rakyasin's going to make it. Ronald Darby's going to make it. Caillou Kelly's going to make it. Jalen Davis probably going to make it. Pepe Williams probably going to make it. That's already six guys. But Arius Washington would be seven if he were to make it. Then you also have to take into account where's Kevon Seymour. Is, is he going to make Daryl Worley? He's probably a handshake deal guy where they'll, they'll bring him back after they put Marlon or Pepe on IR. They probably put Pepe on IR. But I would be, I li- I've liked Greedy since LSU. I think he'd be a fine addition. I, j- I just don't think they're going to. So while I would like it to happen, I don't think it's realistic for them. David saying it wouldn't hurt. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'd, I'd be I'd be fine with it, but I just don't think they're going to make it right now. Lamont saying he'd be a wicked addition, which I agree with. I think he'd be cool, but I don't think it's going to happen right now as well. Dre said I knew when Huntley wasn't playing, it was a 70, a 70% chance we were going to lose. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think the quarterbacks played all right. I thought Josh, Josh Johnson and Anthony Brown played fine. Like, I don't think they were the best players on the field, and I don't think they're the worst players on the field, but I thought they were right. Robinson looks solid tonight. If, if you're talking about Tavius, he had some up and down moments. You know, there were a few plays. I think he missed a tackle or missed a sack on one play. But overall, not, not terrible. Corey, May, Corey Mayfield still on the – Corey Mayfield is going to be the guy who lost the Ravens their streak is is what's going to happen. Dre saying Ronald Darby got smoked by Bateman. Yeah, but he, he was it was his first time coming out on the practice field after ACL. I'm, I'm going to cut him some slack a little bit as well. Dylan saying, hopefully Mitchell's okay. He's looking explosive. Yeah, he's, he can turn the corner. He's fast. And the thing I like about Mitchell is he provides a, a different skill set than what the Ravens have. JK's a bruiser. Gus is a bruiser. Justice Hill is an underrated bruiser too, but, you know, with more electricity to him. But Keaton Mitchell is, you know, speedy, fast, you know, catch me if you can type guy. The Ravens don't have that on their roster. I think he fits a, a key positional role for them, which is really cool in my opinion there. But so big takeaways from the game overall is – I think that for what I saw, I liked what I saw from Darius Washington, liked what I saw from Travis Jones on defense. The commanders played their starters for the entirety of the first half, and that's something you got to keep in mind. Sam Howell looked great, by the way. I was very impressed with what I saw by him. Offensively, Keaton Mitchell, I think, wrapped up the number four running back job if, if he's healthy. Tyler Wallace wrapped up the number six wide receiver job if he's healthy. The Ravens have a tough decision to make in Travis Volkolek, which will be interesting to see. Say Flowers is that guy. He's that dude. Charlie Kohler as well. He's a guy that's going to have, I think, a role for Baltimore this year as well. And Daniel saying, hey, Kevin, not to get ahead of ourselves. And when the time comes, could you see a different coach in Baltimore one day? John has been here for a while. I mean, 
I mean, one day, yeah. I mean, he's not he's not going to be in Baltimore forever. But my thing is, with expectations so high, the Ravens have fired both coordinators over the past two seasons: Don Martindale two years ago, and then Todd Munkin this or Todd Munkin, Greg Roman for Todd Munkin this offseason. I mean, who's next? You know, if the Ravens underachieve again, if injuries happen again, if they don't win a playoff game again, or if they don't go far again, who's the who's the next guy? Who's the guy that you say, well, this is the reason that they need to change? John Harbaugh is the best head coach in Ravens history, been one of the most consistent coaches ever in the NFL with the playoff streaks. But the thing is, with the playoff streaks, it was an early year thing for him. Over the past decade, the Ravens have had what two playoff wins, no wins at home in the playoffs, if I'm not mistaken. So to me, th- there are not a lot of coaches like John Harbaugh. The players love him. He's changed his MO from being a, you know, one of the hard-headed coaches to being a player's coach that everybody loves. But at some point you got to ask the question. And if the Ravens have a great year this year and, and they overachieve and they, you know, AFC championship game or bust is what I've been saying. If they do that, then awesome. But if it's an if it's another wild card round exit and another divisional round exit, you have to start asking the question of who's going to take that team to the next level. His time just run out for John Harbaugh. Everything comes to an end. Everything does. So I'm interested to see what the Ravens approach is if Baltimore ends up having an underachieving season this year. But that's a conversation for another day. We'll talk about that uh, over the course of the next couple of weeks. I'm sure we'll have an episode on that. But I appreciate everybody tuning in today on Locked On Ravens. That's all I have for you. Be sure to stay tuned. We're going to be back here 6 a.m., just a couple of hours here. So be sure to stay tuned for that. I'll see you right back here tomorrow, or I guess later today here on Lockdown Ravens. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grimly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.